Welcome to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. Today's message was originally preached on Sunday, September 27th, 2020 by Pastor Rod Heppel. It is the first message in our fall sermon series entitled, God of Wonder. Check out sardisfellowship.com for more information about our church. As mentioned at the end of the sermon last Sunday, we're going to be starting a new sermon series on God, starting today with an introduction to the God of Wonder. And as I joked last week, you know, 11 weeks to cover God? Yeah, that should do it. It's just a massive topic to cover, right? Actually, when I contacted Dave Lee about this sermon series, the very first comment he had was, well, you know, it could be 100 sermons long. He also told me that at one time he had considered doing a sermon series like this, and he was going to call it An Introduction to God, which is a great title because of the word introduction. That at least sounds like you're going to be somewhat able to achieve your goal. Well, last December... I had gone on a prayer and a study week, and I was laying out the preaching schedule for 2020. And originally, when I was thinking about this fall and speaking on God, I had framed it, uh, the title of the sermon series, as a question. Who is God? As in, what is he like? And I think for sure that's relevant in our culture today because people don't necessarily know what the God of the Bible is like. In fact, if they hear the word God, they don't necessarily think of the God of the Bible. They have a whole host of other ideas. So if you're someone that's tuning in today and you're hearing this and you have that perspective, I hope that you will find this sermon series helpful. But what I'm really focusing on, or who I'm really focusing on, is our own church people who have grown up with the teaching of God. And you believe that the God who exists is the God of the Bible. However, I feel that at this time we need to spend time looking at the nature of God, being reminded of his greatness and his holiness. We need to spend some time looking at his works and marvel at his power and wisdom, his creativity and goodness in creation and salvation. We need to spend some time looking at his love, that God is defined by love, and his desire is to be in relationship with us, his creation. The creator wants to have communion with his creation, but I'm getting ahead of myself now, so we'll have to tackle that a bit later. A title that I landed on is God of Wonder, but I didn't come to that on my own. Back in August, I was talking with Carol Hendricks and Tim Voth about this because Carol, as our Sardis Kids director, wanted to line up the theme for the kids with the theme of our sermons that we would be doing. So we were bouncing around different ideas, and then Carol said something like this, how about God of Wonders, which is the title of a song that we have sung here throughout the years, uh, God of Wonders, Beyond Our Galaxy, Lord of Heaven and Earth. I liked it. I thought it was great. But I made a little alteration. I dropped the S. I made it God of wonder. Because I want us to be free to explore two things about the wonder of God. Uh, One, I want us to wonder at God's amazing goodness, what he's done and who he is and, and all of that majesty. But I also want us to be free to ask the deepest questions in our heart about God. God is a profound mystery and we do wonder. The eternal, infinite, triune God himself has made himself known. Yes, but don't we wonder about him? How is he three persons in one being? Why does he do what he does? And why doesn't he do what I think he should do? Why doesn't God show his intervening power today like it seems he did in biblical times? Why is there so much evil in the world? What of this world makes it worth it to God that he would send his son here for us how does prayer work if he's sovereign so we wonder don't we we wonder about god and i want these next few weeks to be 
a time to kind of stop and ponder God more deeply. Pastor Tim asked this, where is the place of wonder in our Christian experience? And that's a good thought. I thought to myself, is it only in the quiet moments of the night when our deepest thoughts consume our hearts and minds? Can we take these next 10 weeks and create a a space of deeper learning about God with a desire to have a deeper yearning for God, resulting in greater worship of God? What I don't want this series to be is simply a theology class. Uh, You can do that, and you can do it online with Dr. Archie Spencer if you want. Now, theology is the study of God or the science of God. Theos is the Greek word for God, and ology just simply means to have a study of something, a branch of knowledge, like biology or geology. So theology is the study of God. Now, we all do theology. Uh, We all have a theology. We just don't think of it that way. Um, In other words, we all have an idea in our head about who God is or not and how he works, and this informs our relationship to him or with him. Some of our theology is good, meaning that it's close to the truth, or it is the truth, but some of it isn't so good, meaning it's misguided. That's why it's really important that we learn about God in order to understand our relationship to the Creator so that we can worship Him in all of our life. But I don't want to just rattle off big words that describe God. Now, they're good words for sure, and they're needed, and we need to understand them, but I don't want to throw around terminology that just doesn't make sense because you don't know what it means. The description that the Westminster Shorter Catechism gives to the question, what is God, is this. God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable. Unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. It's all true, and it's great stuff. But if you're like me, you need to be drawn into the truth of those statements, of those words, and make sense of it in order to truly own it for yourself, in order that it's going to make a difference in your life, which it can, which is why we're doing this series. The more that you understand who God is, what he has done, and what he desires uh, in knowing us, in loving us, in having relationship with us for all of eternity, the more that we are going to adore him and adoration will flow from our hearts, roll off our lips. Do we adore God? You know, a few years ago, I was in a class at Acts Seminary doing a spiritual formation class, and I was praying through a format called Acts, A-C-T-S. It just guides you through adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Supplication is asking things of God. Now, I found I could ask God for things all day long, and without too much difficulty, I could come up with a pretty good list of sins that I needed to confess. And, you know, I had a lot to be thankful for, so all of that kind of came pretty easily to me. But the part that I struggled with was adoration. And I wondered why. Why was I having a hard time just letting adoration of God flow? Why was it hard for me to adore God? Now, I may not like the answer, to be honest, as it says a whole lot more about me than it does about God. But at that time, it felt to me like God was distant, not close. Have you ever felt like that? And maybe I wondered if God was truly good. It's kind of ironic that a sinful creature like myself could hold God accountable to that. But we do that, don't we? We become the judge and God is on trial. But what if, like Isaiah the prophet, we had a vision of God's greatness and glory 
as he did, and it's recorded in Isaiah 6 if you want to read it. He says that he saw the Lord high and exalted, seated on a throne. And then he goes on to describe the scene of angelic worship around God's throne. Then Isaiah says this, He cried out, Woe to me, I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You know, in that moment, Isaiah's perspective changed completely. With just a glimpse of the glory of God, he knew that he was a sinner, Isaiah, and that God alone was holy. Maybe what I needed at that time was more quiet time of reflection on the holiness and the glory of God that would have produced in me a heart of adoration. But I also wonder, is it possible that words like infinite, eternal, unchangeable, holy, just, powerful, wise God made him sound so distant and beyond us? And he is beyond us, that's for sure. But that I failed to see that he had also chosen to come near us. That, that he had chosen to make himself known, to express love, to be personal. And, and this, my friend, is the mystery of the gospel. This is the mystery of God. That though he is infinite, he is personal. World religions throughout the ages have had one of two views on God. He is either so great that you cannot know him, or he is so human-like in his qualities that he's not truly supreme. Now, every word that I read in that catechism a moment ago is true. But when you take all of those qualities of God and you combine them with the fact that out of his own free will and love, he made you and he made me and he made all of creation. And then when it went wrong because of our sin, he acted. He redeemed all of creation. How? By coming in the form of a human being in the person of Jesus Christ, who is fully God and fully human. And then he went to a cross and he died. Why? To save us from our sins, to save you from your sin and me from my sin. That's what God did. That's the God of the Bible. And that's the God that I can adore forever. Now, a few months ago, I shared with you a story about Oprah. I'd been watching TV and her program came up and she had a guest who had written a book on God. And the focus of the book was that God was so great, so immense that he was unknowable. Now, this perspective on God then validated any experience that a person had with God and any idea that they concluded about God from that experience, as if it was true. In fact, it was as true as any written creed or the biblical account. Your experience of God is just as true as what the Bible reveals about God because God is so big that no one can fully know him. Now, they would be right except for the fact that God wanted to make himself known. And if this great, immense God wanted to make himself known, how might he go about doing that? What, what would it look like for the all-powerful, infinite creator of the universe to relate to his own creation? He's done it in basically three main ways. One, through creation. Two, through uh, revelation. And, and three, um, through Jesus Christ's son. So creation. You know, there's a whole lot here that you could look at and see the hand of God. But one example is if you've ever sat outside on a starry night and you looked up, clear sky, and you see all those stars. Now, the closest star to us is the sun, and it's 150 million kilometers away and the furthest star in our universe that we know of right now is 5 billion light years away. So how far is that? Well, we know that light travels. The speed of light is 300,000 kilometers per second. So in one second, you can travel around the globe seven and a half times in one at the speed of light. 
Now, take that one second of travel and multiply it by 5 billion light years. Now, that's a pretty big universe. Isaiah says that God measures the span or the universe by the span of his hand. I'm not going to get too far because Archie's going to explore that later on in the sermon series. Revelation, the word of God. All scripture is God-breathed, meaning the Holy Spirit of God moved in the hearts of prophets and apostles to put down the truth of who God is, to put down the truth of God's story, and to show his glory. And, and number three there, Jesus, the Son of God, who is the pinnacle of God making himself known to us. In Hebrews chapter 1, it's put like this. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, who he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. God is all powerful, infinite, eternal, unknowable to us, except that in Jesus, he has made himself known. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself, but today's an introduction of the whole series, right? We're going to delve into that more a little bit later on. To wrap up this thought, this God, this infinite God of all creation has made himself known by coming in human form in the person of Jesus Christ. That's why at Sardis Fellowship, we talk about being centered in Christ. It truly is all about Jesus. Today, I want to take a quick look at one biblical example of a person who encountered God and came to know him in such a personal way that he could be honest with God. Um, and that person is Moses. Now, I remember as a kid reading through the stories of the Bible, and in particular Moses found in Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And at one point, I had this thought. No one knew God quite like Moses did. I mean, it really struck me that not only do we have a lot about how often Moses encountered God, but also the dialogue between him and God. And it was just so real. In fact, Exodus 33:11 says the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Although we know that it wasn't fully face to face or else Moses would have fried. It was just face to face enough so that it caused his skin to glow. It's a true story. Go read it. Moses was the one who first met God in the burning bush in that desert at Mount Sinai. And God was calling him to lead his people out of slavery from Egypt. And they would come back to that mountain, Mount Sinai, and worship God there. So I want to pick up now our story of, uh, in Exodus 33. Now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp of Israel some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. Anyone inquiring of the Lord would go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances of their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come, come down and stay at the entrance while the Lord spoke with Moses. Whenever the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face, as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young aide Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Moses said to the Lord, You've been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know who you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways, so that I, know, so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. 
The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing that you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy or have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. Have you ever asked God to see his glory? It's a pretty big request, right? Now there's only one point that I want to make from this story here today that I've just read, and it's this. The more that Moses came to know God, the more open and honest he became with God, so much so that God would consider an audacious request like this and, and actually do it. He was drawing Moses into a deeper relationship with himself so that he would understand God and his glory better. Why? So that Moses would worship him more fully. And don't we want that too? God has so much more for us if we're willing to take the time to learn and listen, to ponder and wonder, and then to worship. And I hope that these next 10 weeks will help you to do just that. I know that some in our congregation are wrestling through some pretty hard stuff in life. And you wonder about God. And you wonder about his goodness. Don't run from him. Draw near to him. Tell him what is in your heart and on your mind and what you're thinking and feeling. He can handle it. And he can speak to you. He will. All of us are living through a pretty challenging time right now. I mean, life was already busy and chaotic. But now with COVID it's really amped up certain pressures and anxieties that we have. We need to take this time this fall and focus on our God. We need to bask in his presence, sense his nearness, experience his goodness and sufficiency in our lives. We need to worship him. As Psalm 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. So how can we make the most of this time? Well, here are a few ideas that I just want to pass along to you that if this helps you, maybe do one of them. So like I said last week, read your Bible and pray every day. When you're reading, slow down. Pay attention to the verses you're reading. See what God is saying to you. Meditate on those words. Lay your heart out before God in prayer. Secondly, maybe try taking a journal and journaling the next 10 weeks. Write down some of those key verses you've been reading about in your quiet time. Put the questions and the thoughts that you have, the ones that you're pondering and wondering. And then be intentional about listening. Be still and know that I am God. Lastly, maybe you could take time to read a book. Uh, there's some really good ones. Knowing God by J.I. Packer. Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. The Jesus I Never Do by Philip Yancey. The, those are some good options. There's a host of others. But we need to commit some time to God. We do to our hobbies and our pleasures. Can't we just carve out a little bit more time in the next 10 weeks to be more intentional about our relationship with God? Because the better we know God, the more we will worship him. And that's the goal of life on earth, right? Is to prepare us for eternity and eternity of worshiping God. I'd like to lead us in prayer. Father in heaven, we know that we live this life wondering many things about the world we live in, 
the world you've created, the message of salvation. And I thank you so much for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, come into the world to save us, to redeem us, to purchase us back. And I would pray through that lens of you coming close that we might have greater, a greater sense of knowing you, of worshiping you. So lead us in the next 10 weeks to a greater depth of understanding, to a greater depth of experiencing, to a greater depth of worshiping you. This I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sardis Fellowship Sermon Podcast. For more information on Sardis Fellowship, please check out sardisfellowship.com.